When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are coming to you live from Studio A here at the DNVR Bar. And the A stands for a new era, a new era coming in Denver Broncos history. And welcome in to The Search 2021. 2022. 2022. I feel like we need one of those um, like graphics that comes in. It's like, and it's like The Search. The Denver Broncos head coaching search, <laughs> 2022 edition. What's James Earl Jones up to these days? We can maybe uh, get him to record the video. It, like, this is CNN. Yeah, yeah. This is the search. Yeah, this <laughs> is the search. Uh, Broncos are going to get a new head coach very soon, or at least we think very soon. I guess George Payton did say yesterday that he learned in Minnesota, take your time, interview plenty of candidates. I got to admit. As much as coaching searches are stressful uh, and the length of them only makes it more stressful, I agree with him. You should interview a ton of candidates. Um, There's no rules on how many candidates you can interview or anything like that. So talk to as many people as you can. You know, the Broncos never interviewed Sean McVay during Sean McVay's uh, coaching cycle. Mm -hmm. And I look back at that and I'm like, how is that possible? Because they were locked in on Vijay. Exactly. So don't be locked in. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I did like that. He said, you know, interview a ton of people, uh, make the, you know, make sure you have all the information you could possibly have before you make a decision. Guys, what a time to be alive right now. We got the Broncos in a massive coaching search this morning. Some surprise news. Not only Mike Zimmer out, but also Rick Spielman out in Minnesota. Obviously Mm. ties there with George Payton. Very close ties there. And then on top of that, you also have Brian Flores with this surprise firing. I think just on Saturday I said, yeah, of course Brian Flores isn't going to be an option. He's safe because that's the type of coach I thought he was. But now, and then on top of that, guys, Last night, maybe the greatest non-Broncos football game I have ever watched. That was incredible. Especially you throw on the tiebreaker scenario to it. It was gold. What was a greater Bronco game than that, to be honest? Um, I mean, just, just one. Yeah, the drive. Yeah. Uh, I would say DT to I, I Tebow. Think were, um, and, and just personally, I think yeah. anything with Tebow, See, personally, I, those games hit harder. I would say, I'm not sure it's... It could be greater than any Bronco game. What I know is that was the craziest game I've ever seen. I cannot, like, 
<clears throat> everything down to the field goals, like scraping the posts as yeah, they go yeah. by, yeah. was just mm -hmm. like it just had your heart racing for a, like at least an hour and a half. Do you think that timeout at the end changed the Raiders' mind? Because I've seen mm -hmm. things on both sides. In fact, one of the people who who had the had the uh, take on one side that it changed their mind is Derek Carr. After the game, he said, yeah, that timeout definitely changed well, our mindset. He said it changed their mindset. They did call a different play. Um, so it could be that simple as changing their mindset. Um, but they, that's, that's changing the play. Mindset's a, bigger. There's all sorts of conspiracy theories. Like I saw that. Did you see the video of Austin Eckler? And they're like, he's asking, were you going to kneel? And then the Raiders player says yes. And like, <laughs> if you watch the video, there's no way that's what he was saying. It looks yeah. like he just says, really? And then he says, yes. Like it could have been any conversation. <laughs> Um, so here's what I'll say is they were going to run the ball. They were already, it's not like they were about to kneel. They were in formation when they called the timeout about to call a play. Um, and, uh, Brandon Staley knew they were going to run the ball and he wanted to get a better run set in there. Um, so I don't think that changed anything except for whatever the outcome of that play was going to be, which could have been a longer run for Josh Jacobs, or they, maybe someone gets beat on the line. They stuff them. And the Raiders don't want to try a field goal from that long. That's where I think this whole thing kind of uh, goes off its axis is if that's more than a, f you know, a 55 yard field goal, I don't think they ever try it. Right. The risk isn't worth the, the potential re reward because if it gets blocked, something, it goes the other way. Something happens. When I brought I, that I, yeah. up to Allie, right as they yeah. were lining up, she like lost her mind. Yeah. She was like, they better kick it. They better kick it. And I was with her. I wanted them to kick it. And then I was like, but what if it gets blocked and they take it back for a touchdown? Coaches like, are risk averse. Oh my God. Yeah. So you guys Coaches are risk averse people. The other thing is, I think you mentioned the mindset. You look at those two plays before the timeout, they appeared kind of half hearted. Yeah. On that, both I, sides. Like, yeah. every, like everyone, like they all knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then after the timeout, the Raiders just looked like, okay. Well, let's actually get these yards and see if we can avoid going to Kansas City yeah, and next that's, week. <clears throat> that's what I thought was so important about this is everyone acts like there's nothing to gain from winning or whatever. And I was like, yes, there is. I would much rather play the Bengals and the Chiefs in the playoffs. Right? Because yeah, that's right. what they got, right? Yeah. Like they're, taking the bank, they're taking on the Bengals now? Yeah. If the Chargers had been in the situation the Raiders would have been, I think the Chargers would have just kind of run it out. Because they only had kind of the one matchup, and, yeah. and the that analytics, was it. right? Like you know, Staley would be th would be thinking like, well, we have a hundred percent chance of going to yeah. the playoffs if we kneel this. But the Raiders had a pretty significant thing to gain if they won the game. I thought so too. Yeah, and I just thought, I'm glad that there was that. They kicked the field goal. You guys were rooting for the non-tie? <clears throat> I was. I was rooting for the tie. Oh, I was rooting for the tie, but too. But I, I, I can see why the Raiders, after the timeout, they took 40 seconds. And that's where I think not the play change, but the, the philosophy of, okay, let's not try to get just grind this to the end. Let's see if we can give Carlson just a little bit of room. I why think it were was, you rooting I, for the tie? Like, what, what because, payoff was that going to because give? Because it would have been awesome. How because often it would have been a, unreal. It would have been a meltdown. And honestly... I didn't want to see Ben Roethlisberger get in the playoffs. I, I agree. I, I think the Steelers of those three teams are the worst yeah. team as well. But on top of that, just the thinking to get to this position was so hard. The Jaguars had to beat the Colts and pull mm -hmm. off that massive upset. That wasn't going to happen, right? 
and then it does. Should have known. Jaguars always beat the Colts at home. Uh, it's it's they true, sure but do. I mean, still absolutely <laughs> wild. Carson Wentz just absolutely loses it. Trevor Lawrence finally looks like the number one overall pick for a little bit. And then we get to the game, and the Raiders take that 10 nothing lead. And then the Chargers come back. And then, as Adam Schefter tweets, he was probably losing it last night oh, when yeah. he tweets, uh, <clears throat> the Steelers feel good being up 12 points right. because that's not a tie. And mm. then... It does tie. And then the drive at the end of the uh, end of the fourth quarter, unreal by Justin Herbert. By the way, unfortunately, Justin Herbert was amazing last night because his line was awful. Yeah, right tackle yeah. was destroyed. Max Crosby had a game like he has against the Broncos. His receivers didn't help him out. And they converted so many fourth downs, including that one at the very end of the game. And then so it's just so improbable that they got to that point. And then in overtime, they both kick field goals. And then you're, what, two seconds away from a tie? I mean, mm-hmm. it got the odds of that happening were so improbable. We'll never see anything like it again. That's why I was cheering. It was the I greatest season-ending season day in NFL history. Yeah, yeah it, 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 was, really it was, was 10 out of 10. I just I could never root for a tie under any circumstances unless it impacted my team. Like, if I was the Chargers, of course I would have been rooting for the tie um, on that side of it. But I, I, I didn't want them to purposefully avoid trying to win if it would have if they he would have just missed that field goal i would have been like wow that's incredible yeah but if they wouldn't have attempted it i would have been i would have been mad you, got, you, you play to win you play to win uh you no, i disagree with that you play to make the playoffs and you you play in that and tying <clears throat> but you have a kicker who's never missed a field goal in that stadium so it's not like Look. I'm not. I'm not saying they they shouldn't have not tried the field goal but the end of the day going into that game mm-hmm. you play to make the yeah. playoffs and a tie guaranteed you that and it was fun to joke around that they should all just kneel no one no one expected them right, to right. do that that was just a fun thing to say but then when it got down to it and it was like oh my god like they they could actually tie this and and we could see this most improbable thing happen when it got to overtime i thought okay I wonder what this is going to look like. Here. Just like I, I was wondering yeah. if there was going to be a little uh, sign between Basashia and uh, yeah. a, a, and uh, Staley, where they both like kind of take a knee and they're like, "Should we do that? Should we do that?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if I saw them run it three eight, three dives right. on mm. each possession, punt right. three dives, yeah. punt. Yeah, um, that wouldn't have surprised me. But I'm glad the Chargers are out. <laughs> of course of you course. are. <laughs> and that's a that's a pizza bet win for your boy. Uh, in case you didn't remember, Zach and I had a bet before the season. He said over 10 wins. I said under 10 wins. We said 10 wins would be a tie. And there it is. Uh, nine wins. Nine and eight. Well, how about that? So we pushed on the season. We did. Yeah, you got Chargers your Patriots. That, yeah. I got, I got, I guess, my Chargers. Whoa, They're my Chargers because yeah. I always, that's another reason why I didn't want the tie. Yeah. I had uh, like four units on the Raiders. There we go. <laughs> they have to ask themselves, how did we miss the playoffs with Justin Herbert having the kind of season that he had? He was also 34 yep. of 64 yeah. last night. That's insane. Well, a lot Basically, of, a at lot the end of, of the game, he only times. completed passes on fourth They were down. playing the wow. fourth down offense on that drive. It's like, they okay, were. we're just going to muck around on first, second, and third down and going to bail ourselves out on fourth. And that's why the drive felt like it took an eternity. And then you have a couple of replay yep. reviews. Yeah, I just – it, it was insane. It, I, the the Raiders the should tension. be embarrassed that they allowed that fourth and 21. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. that, that shit – that is that just can't happen. That's what we'd be talking about if the Chargers had won this game. Of course. Yep. Okay. 
We could talk about that game all day long. <laughs> but uh. that just shows you what a time we're in. And then tonight, we got the national championship game. Yep. This is an incredible time in the NFL and football. I believe the Avs have won 12 straight at home. How about that? Um, so we got that going for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Nuggets kind of getting it together a little bit. Now, of course, they had another little collapse last night, but then they fig- uh, figured it out and fixed it. So it is a great time. And, of course, the Broncos always front and center. Uh, especially in Denver, because they're always interesting. Um, so, what are they going to do? we got two things we want to talk about today. What are they going to do? What do we want them to do? We're going to start with what are they going to do. And while it doesn't make for the best podcasting, I kind of have a feeling we're on the same page about this one. So, I said it bef- uh, after our show yesterday. I want to listen to what George Payton says, and then I'll be ready to make a prediction. And I had a person in mind before the show or before the press conference, and I almost felt like he was just telling me, like just knocking off all the points you would have needed to stay with that person. Um, And this is an interesting one. I don't think a lot of people like it, but I'm more open to it maybe than them. So should I just drop my prediction right now? Absolutely, because yeah. it's the same one that I think we all have. Dan Quinn. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy who was connected to George Payton. Was that two years ago uh, when the article came out? That the two No, the- seven years ago. Oh, okay, seven years It was years when ago. Dan Quinn got hired by the Falcons in that cycle. And actually, the Broncos did have some contact with Quinn when they were going through their process, even though – it was pretty obvious they were going to get Garrett Kubiak. Right, right, right. So that that wasn't going to happen, but it was a, it was a matter of Peyton pulling his name out of searches. Uh, that I believe it was the Bears and the Jets that were looking at George Peyton. Right. And the two of them, they go back to their time in Miami in the mid two thousands. They were, they according to the reports, they thought about partnering together. Right. As a coach GM tandem. Sort of like Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch situation. Very much so. Exactly. And I completely agree with you, Ryan. And actually, yesterday, uh, I I wasn't afraid to throw it out before the show ended. And I didn't even know that that we were supposed to hold it back. I thought Dan Dan Quinn was the winner. And I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Talking to George Payton yesterday, boy, it seemed like without saying his name... He was welcoming Dan exactly Quinn what, to yeah. the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Everything he said, and of course, the most important thing, well, actually, there were a lot of important things. Leadership is the number one thing he's looking for. And what's everything we've heard about Dan Quinn? Even when he was fired, everything he's done has been as a very good leader. Now, obviously, the defense wasn't there in Atlanta at times. Sometimes it was there. The offense was there at some time. Sometimes it wasn't. But he was always mm-hmm. a very good leader, that CEO type. So that right there, boom shot me or shot him to the top of my list. And then on top of that, you have Vic come out and, or, or George come out and say uh, that it doesn't matter if he's offensive or defensive side Again, of the ball. Mm-hmm. It's about putting a plan in place. And then when asked about the offense, he said, yeah, he's going to have to have a good plan in place with an offensive coordinator, what he wants to do. And as we've talked about, Dan Quinn's had success hiring offensive coordinators in mm-hmm. the past. Everything lined up. For Dan Quinn to be the Broncos. And I think next that was a key coach. thing you said about success hiring offensive coordinators because Mike Sh- or Kyle Shanahan was a hit, but he but Steve Sarkeesian actually did a good job. They made the playoffs. There. Right. So Roll tide. the it doesn't the coach doesn't have to be an offensive coach, but George Payton does want a coach who has an offensive vision. 
Here's what I will say, though. What type of, of offense <clears throat> and what type of coaches he wants on that side. Right. My issue with this is what happened with Kyle Shanahan, though. Because you mm-hmm. nailed it. 10 out of 10 offensive uh, coordinator hire, save for the second half of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And congratulations. Like, you did exactly what the dream is, right? You're a defensive coach. You nail the offensive coordinator hire. You have an innovative, exciting offense. And then it's gone. And mm-hmm. while, yes, you did make the playoffs the very next season mm-hmm. uh, with Sark, you didn't after that. And that ended up being your downfall. And the offense deteriorated over time now that also could have just gone right along with matt ryan deteriorating they still had the top five offense in 2019 though that's impressive that was it like here are the uh, the falcons offensive rankings under dan quinn total total offense seventh second eighth sixth fifth and 18th okay so 18th he got fired third of the way through the season Raheem morris finished off. that's really impressive and Good Lord, what we would give to see a top 10 offense around here. Now, again, he's not an offensive mind, so it's not like you're getting his offense. Right. But you are getting his willingness to be uh, forward thinking on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about Brian Flores later. But that's one thing that I really appreciate about him is that while he's a defensive coach and he calls his defense a very exciting way, he also was, you know, uh, welcoming of an exciting RPO style offense on the offensive side of the ball, um, which had its ups and downs, I think mostly because of the personnel. Um, but that is a that, what a great feather in the cap of Dan Quinn as a defensive coach with a top 10 offense for all of his seasons, except one in Atlanta. Now, yeah. again, it's Matt Ryan, but it's Matt Ryan. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you had Pat Mahomes and it's like, well, yeah, you just send him out there and you got a top 10 offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the connection that George Payton has with Dan Quinn, everything is pointing for him to be the top guy. So, Mace, is he your top guy when you view it through the Broncos lens as well? Yeah, through the, through the Broncos lens. I think the interesting question is going to be just how much he runs the defense because he would hand the play-calling responsibilities off two coordinators. They had Richard Smith, remember, former Bronco linebacker coach for a while. They had Marquand Manuel, who also was here in Denver as a player a while back. Yep. But something that happened a couple of times is that Dan Quinn would take the play calling back when he didn't like what he saw. Very similar, guys, to what John Fox did in Carolina. There were a couple of years with the Panthers where down the stretch of a season, he took back the play calling from the coordinator that he had installed but he ideally he would run the whole operation but if he didn't like where it was going he was willing to step in on a short term basis and so i wonder if that's how he's going to attack it if he gets the next head coaching job of the broncos probably because i think he wants to be a coach for the entire team mm-hmm. not just for one side and one of vic's weaknesses was he was only a coach really for the defense and i think that's something george payton would love to have yeah. is more of a ceo type when you say leadership that's what that tells me is more of a ceo type there so we all agree and there. that's why he said i don't care yeah. whether they're offense yep. or their defense i just want leadership and, and it, he kind of said that when he when I asked him about, you know, why move on from Vic, you said he was the best coach he'd ever been around. 
and he basically got into the whole thing of you know Vic being focused on the defensive side. Yeah. Wants someone in the big picture, bigger picture perspective. And when I asked him about how important is former head coaching experience, because I thought, how do you judge experience if it's not, you know, head coaching or, or leadership if it's not through experience? And he said, you know, we 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 want to look at everything, and we don't. We there's some good coaches that have not been head coaches in the past or some that have been and that's the right approach to take but I do think that when you're looking for leadership past head coaching experience does help prove that Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that you can't be a good leader without that I just think it helps prove that that's another thing that Dan Quinn has by the way every one of the Broncos Super Bowls came from a retread head coach Mm -hmm. that they won yep They made it right that with, they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they All made three. it. Red Miller and Dan Reeves were first timers, but they made they so they made it with first timers, but they won it with retreads. Yep, and so that's why you got to look at both, though, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you have to look at guys that are new. You got to look at guys that uh, that have experience I as think well. You're, I think if you put these first time head coaches in an interview <laughs> next to a guy like Dan Quinn, mm-hmm. who's done it before, the interviews are just going to be like. Dan, if you want to be impressed by Dan Quinn, you're going to be so impressed by him because he he ha, he's going to have an answer for everything. It's not like he did this for one year and got fired. Like he did this for a long time. He knows exactly what you want to hear. He knows all the answers. So it'll be really tough for like a Nathaniel Hackett to sit down and blow away uh, George Payton after he interviews Dan Quinn. You know how yeah. you know how uh, Brian Callahan uh, or the Sean McVays of the past blow a general manager and an owner away. It's by coming in with so much excitement and enthusiasm yeah, for the job and also with just a, an innovative mind, likely on the offensive side of the ball, just like Sean McVay was, and saying, here's the crazy things we're going to do. We're going to invent this offense. That's not something that George Payton's looking for. Like, sure, if Dan Quinn came in and was the leader he is and also came in with all this excitement and also came in with this great new offense, that's that's a plus. But that's just not going – he's going to be hitting marks over here that are valued way down here. Right. So I, I, I agree. I mean, Dan Quinn Dan, easily is the front runner. He's going to come in and he's going to say, uh, look, you know, I've done this once before. I found Kyle Shanahan and I brought him up and then – He's going to say, there's this other guy, Mike McDaniel. He's right out yeah. there. He's worked under him. I can't believe everyone's been looking over this guy for so long. He's going to come in and call my offense. He's from around here. you know. And He's worked for Dan Quinn. Right. He's worked Atlanta. for me. Exactly. I, know what he, I know what he's like. Man, we're going to yeah. have to dive into that yeah. later when they're looking at offensive coordinators. <clears throat> and then maybe he says, oh, I'm getting Brian Flores as my defensive coordinator. No, he won't do yeah, that. Yeah, right. Um, my one request. Mike Zimmer, come on yeah. down. I don't think that either. I think it'll be some person on his staff in, uh, in Dallas. Well, Potentially. The other question is, do you think George Payton brings in Rick Spielman as an assistant GM? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk all <laughs> about it. And then also, I mean, Ed Donatel would like to stay around. That could be someone where if you hire more yeah. of a defensive guy at head coach, he could stay around. So, so lots of options. It would there. make more sense for me to go Christian Parker if you were going to keep someone around from this staff. Just... That isn't going to be the play caller, or I'd like to keep the whole stat, the whole defensive staff, if I could. And I maybe, don't want to call that Vic Fangio defense anymore, though. Well, the the reason being with Christian Parker, maybe like you just have him kind of another year where he works under Ed Donatel, right, and That's continues fair. to kind of learn from him, and then Don, maybe Donatel kind of uh, hands off the baton. Certainly, uh, Donatel, see, I thought seemed really energized this year, and I, I would like to see if it if we're up to me. That entire defensive staff, every everybody, Kolar, Herring, Parker, John Picano, 
Pagano, pardon me, and of course, Ed Donatel. They're all back. Okay, it's up we're, to me. We're, we're getting way too far <laughs> yeah, down the yeah, line right now. We yeah. still have so many other coaches to talk about. So here's here's what we do. We have this we have this graphic. It's got three slots. Let's each give. It's got four slots. Three more. Three more. Let's yeah. each give the rest of our three just uh, consecutively. Zach, we'll start with you. Okay, you're putting me on the hot seat right here. Uh, I do think Doug Peterson fits this bill right after Dan Quinn. I think the thing that hurts Doug Peterson, why I put him below Dan Quinn, no no connection with George Payton. Uh, and I do think it's who you know, not what you know. So that's why I give Dan Quinn the nod there. And then again, just looking at leadership – I'm going Brian Flores mm, with this gosh. third one right here. We are here. not doing this in an interesting <laughs> way. We did not talk about this before the show. We yeah. did not. Obviously, a hot candidate. We're going to talk about him a lot more this week, who was just been on the market for two hours more now. Losing, or more winning seasons in the last two years than the Broncos have had in the last five. How about that? Two more. Um, there was uh, – I, I don't think I said this on this show. I, I, don't, I do not think – or I did not think that Brian Flores was going to be available. I don't think anyone did. I think this was a surprise, and I think that really helps uh, – uh, the Broncos find a really good candidate right there. So I think he he is that leadership type. And then the fourth in the Broncos' mind, I'm going to go Nathaniel Hackett, mm. a guy that does not have past experience as a head coach. But as George Payton said, they're going to look at everything. And Hackett, it's not like he's a new guy in this league. Uh, he does have, and I believe it's two, two T's, T's at the well. end. Uh, and he does have experience, and I think there's enough that they can draw on to find out if he has that leadership. Yeah, I mean, they'll just have to decide, can he hack it? Ah, exactly. He probably can, but can he bring someone in to hack it? All right. Finally, we di- we're, we're different on one of them. I'll go next here. Number two for me is Peterson. Um, there we go, Doug Peterson. Um, I think that really he probably would be number one if it weren't for Dan Quinn. And uh, on top of that, he's going to be number one in a lot of jobs. Um, and and you know. We look at a guy like Brian Flores, we say, why was he fired? Why was he fired? And people are going to come up with BS things to try and drag his name through the mud on his way out there, um, which I take with a grain of salt. Now, there's probably some truth. There's always a little bit of truth to everything. But I think it might be because they already have another guy in mind who's available that they know they can get. And maybe it's Doug Peterson um, for them down there. You know, they say, hey, look, we're a winning team. We've got Tua. We, he, he's very familiar with the style of offense that you like to call. Peterson lives not too far away. He lives just up the coast in uh, ding, Jupiter. Ding, ding. But what I would say to that that argument, though, Ryan, is if you like Doug Peterson and he's your one, you shouldn't knock him down to be your two because you're afraid you're going to lose him. you got to jump all over it. Right, and that's why I said if it weren't for Dan Quinn, I think he'd be number one. But, but there's no reason not to have Doug Peterson flying in tomorrow. No, oh, absolutely not. Agree. Absolutely not. And uh, j- just for the logistics of it, this yeah. week you can interview coaches that are on a first-round buy, meaning coaches with the Tennessee Titans, coaches with the, Packers. with the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett, one of them, probably the only guy in this list that we're going to talk about that that has a first-round buy right now. I mean, now. you've got Todd Downing, the OC with the Titans, that maybe could be on their radar. Yeah. I think others just have stronger resumes at this point. Yeah, I'd put Derrick Henry on my radar yeah, for, if we're going anyone from Tennessee. I, I don't know if that's the philosophy you're really looking for <laughs> as you go forward, especially when I think we can all agree, court, if you don't get an elite quarterback, quarterback development is going to be essential for this next program. Yep. Okay, uh, last two for me, number three, is going to be Jim Caldwell. Um, I mean, leadership, experience. 
he has all of it. And, you know, uh, there, while um, George Payton didn't say it, I do think the offensive thing will be in his mind, mm -hmm. especially if for whatever reason they decide not to go with Dan Quinn. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one I will put is Brian Flores. Um, so this it would be all uh, coaches with former head coaching experience. Mm -hmm. And it's – well, you'll hear where which way I would go here in the second segment. Um, it's not necessarily what I would value, but when you value leadership so heavily, you want people who have been in leadership positions. Mm -hmm. All of these guys have been the leader um, of a franchise, and that is going to be valuable to George Payton. Yeah, and, I mean, Jim Caldwell would have been my fifth here. Uh, I just went a little different, so I, I, I completely agree with you. Mace, are you seeing similar as we are? Similar, but I'm going to throw a different name on the end. So Love it. Number two is Caldwell for me. Okay. And he just checks so many boxes, head coach, offensive-minded. Offensive I do think like a dark horse could be Brian Callahan, and if Brian Callahan got the job, I think Jim Caldwell might be his first hire as kind of – his mentor, right-hand person. Mm. The two of them worked together in Detroit. Callahan was Caldwell's quarterback's coach there in Detroit for a couple of years after leaving the Broncos. So I think either way, there's a connection. Like I could, see, if Jim Caldwell got a job, I could see him bring trying to bring in Brian Callahan because <clears throat> Callahan has the OC title if in Cincinnati, but he does not have play so, calling responsibilities. You know, which is something that's also an issue with Nathaniel Hackett. Trying to bring well. in Brian Callahan. Yeah. Matt Lafleur calls the plays. Number three is Doug Peterson. And again, Caldwell and Pearson, I'll say the same thing. Why don't, why don't you have them in here in the next couple of days? It's, this is an easy jump that you can get on the process. They're not tied down by being in, by being in the playoffs. Pearson's resume is, is top-notch. I don't think you can quibble with anything on that. Mm -hmm. Even like the, the fact that he's, you know, he's matriculated under Andy Reid. He's got, good, so he's got, got a good background, successful in Philly, all the boxes. And then finally, this is my kind of off-the-radar dark horse. And it's actually a guy who was an assistant of Dan Quinn's, Raheem Morris. Wow. Now with the Rams, former Buccaneers head coach from 2009 to 2011. He was even younger than Josh McDaniels when he got hired in that cycle. And the Broncos brought Morris in for an interview. He ended up getting the Tampa, Tampa Bay job. One good season, Josh Freeman went off in 2010, yeah. and they of went 10 people. and six. Lost out in the playoffs because of a late season loss to Detroit. They lose the tiebreaker to the Packers, who went on to win the Super Bowl, and then faded a year after that. I thought they pulled the plug on Morris too soon because they were trying to pull that team out of salary cap hell. There was that regression from from Josh Freeman, but then after Morris leaves. He ends up working for Mike Shanahan in Washington. He works a year for Jay Gruden. Then he goes to Atlanta. But the interesting thing in Atlanta, guys, he worked on the offensive side. He is the rare coach who has had positions of responsibility on offense and defense. He was Atlanta's pass game coordinator. Worked under Kyle Shanahan. Worked with Steve Sarkeesian. And then when the Falcon defense was struggling after uh, Marquand Manuel uh, had not done a great job as defensive coordinator, Morris went back to the defensive side. And, of course, then he was the interim head coach in Atlanta after they fired Quinn. Morris, remember, we were talking about Morris leading up to the Falcon game in 2020. A lot of praise for kind of steadying that ship. Mm -hmm. Even though they still finished 4-12 and 12 
It was very, very much kind of kept everything from really getting out of control, got that team back on track. They had some success midseason. And, of course, he's the Rams' defensive coordinator right now, but I'm less interested in him kind of specifically as a defensive tactician, more interested in Morris as a leader. I do think he will get some interviews in this cycle. He's one that maybe you kind of think about, I think. One out of 12 on that. Now, obviously, there's overlap, but we each had four slots, only one. Not a former head coach, obviously. Hackett there, number four mm-hmm. for you, Zach. Um, it just feels like the Broncos are in that position where you hire a former head coach in this cycle. You know what I mean? Like, you've done it. You tried it with VJ. You tried it with Vic. It's not working. This is your John Fox hire where you take the guy who knows what he's doing. He said he's the ship. He gets you back to relevancy. And then maybe you go and and hire the guy to get you to the next step. But it does feel like the Broncos are in that former head coach comes in and and steadies the ship. Who's the foxiest of these hires? I think it's the first reaction was Caldwell. Yeah. 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 The the adult in the room. Yep. Yep. And, And one of the things that Caldwell can do, not only being an offensive guy, but I think he will repair some of the relationships that had become fractured between head coach and some corners of the locker room. Yeah, that's I mean, something I think a that lot Caldwell, of these guys the, the, would. The man management is something that Caldwell has always excelled at. And, also, that, and also, that's that's what leadership is. That That's one of the things that George Payton's preaching right there. Yes. Um, it'll be interesting to find out what steakhouse they take these guys to. Mm-hmm. Probably still mm-hmm. Elway's. Absolutely um, But when you bring Elway's. in Doug Peterson, don't bring him to Elway's. Bring him to Sweet Cow. Mm-hmm. Although if it's Raheem Morris you bring in, having worked for Mike Shanahan, does he say, I'm going to go to Shanahan's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, because Elway's in the building. So. Or to Dan Quinn had <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Does, do we Elway's still in the building, but he's not in the interview process. Yeah, but he's he's probably footing, he's telling them, hey, we got your back. Go order whatever you want. George George sealed the deal at Elway's. That's where they're going to go. They're going to Elway's. <laughs> um, Which is better, by the way, Elway's or Shanahan's, in your opinion? I've only been to Elway's. I've only been to Shanahan's. Okay. <laughs> they're both good. They're both great meals. I, lo- I will say, I... Uh, have Elway's steak seasoning in my cabinet. Yeah. That's the only thing I use on steak. The seared ahi at Shanahan's is one of my favorite items on any restaurant menu in the world. We'll probably have time to uh, break down the menus of Elway's and <laughs> Shanahan's at a later date. Not today. Um, well, this is the time to do it because this is steakhouse. We got a coach hiring going on. This is steakhouse season, fellas. You, and what if one comes in and says, Del Frisco's? Ruth's Chris. They don't get to choose. (laughs) (laughs) Beggars can't be choosers. Um, One thing that I know that neither Elway's or Shanahan's has, at least if they do have it, it's not as good as ours as a chicken sandwich. (laughs) Uh, We got the best chicken sandwich around, especially from a bar. There are some really good chicken sandwich joints around here. But if you're going to watch a sports game and you want a chicken sandwich, you can't beat ours. I'm going to keep pushing this until all of you have tried it and tell me how right I was about how good our chicken sandwiches, but we also have great wings over here. Uh, the nachos. I'm a big fan of the nachos, uh, really top to bottom. The menu is really, really well done from a sports bar perspective. So come hang out, uh, watch the abs go for 13 straight at home tonight. Um, they're playing such great hockey. They're also taking on the Kraken. Um, so that should help. Um, and, uh, hang out, have some beers, be around people just like you probably be able to talk Broncos coaching search. 
uh, with people before puck drop and then talk, you know, hockey with them after that. So come hang out at the DNVR bar. And you got to download the draft, the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now because tonight you can get oh, yeah. on this. And this is the final time to get in on this offer as of right now because you have a chance to turn $5 into $200 in free bets by placing a bet on either Alabama or Georgia to win tonight. And if that team wins, you get $200 in free bets to start off your account for new users over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And boy, that would be a perfect way to start off your account for playoffs coming up this weekend. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer of turning 5 bucks into $200 by picking either Alabama and Georgia, and whoever wins, you get those $200 in free bets. And of course, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And fellas, we got to get to our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week and I already previewed it. Last week, my pick of the week was taking Bama plus three for tonight because I thought that line was going to come down. And guess what? It did. It's now plus two and a half. Not as but bad as I thought. The money line has not changed at all. Plus mm. 125. And so that's what I'm hitting from my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week and you can boost it too. Every user over at DraftKings Sportsbook gets a mystery boost for either 5%, 10%, 25%, or 50% on tonight's game. I got a 25%, so I boosted that Alabama money line from plus 125 to over plus 150. So roll tide. You know what? I thought you might go for a bet on a former Alabama quarterback because the Patriots are 22 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl. Oh my god. You doing it? No. Oh, (laughs) come on, Mace. If I were taking a value pick on winning the Super Bowl, I'd go Cincinnati Titans. at sixteen to one. Mm. I go Titans because they're going to get Derrick Henry back, and yeah. all bets are off after that. But Joe Burrow seems to kind of be locked in right now. He does. Like he, like he's. Oh, let's he, go. I got the fifty percent profit boost. Okay. Nice. <laughs> but I'm actually going to stick with Raiders Bengals, and I'm going to say the Raiders magic runs out on Saturday. Bengals six point favorites at home, and. I, Whoa, six-point favorites. They haven't won a playoff game since January of 1991. But I think the Bengals are going to get it done. They're going to get off the schneid here and get that first playoff win uh, since literally Paul Brown was alive. Paul Brown was still the Bengals' team president the last time they won a playoff game. Wow. He He died, I believe, Eight, seven, eight months later. It's not as interesting because it's not a new pick, but I'm not overthinking this. Bama money line, putting my 50% profit boost on it right now. Punched it in. So what did it get to? 180? 187. Nice. Yep. Last time I bet on uh, Bama as underdogs, SEC championship they game beat Georgia. against Georgia. <laughs> yeah. And they smoked them. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I, and you can watch that and the Avs here at the bar tonight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be quite a night. Sound for the Avs, though. Of course. Because it's local. That's how we roll here. Yeah. All right. Who, who are the Avs playing tonight, anyway? Kraken. I cannot Up believe that's here. a team name. I love that. Huh? Up there or in here. Yeah. Okay. Here. Yeah. Kraken. Yeah. Crack it open. 
Cracking skulls. Crack them open. Yep. <laughs> and of course, you can get Breckenridge Brewery here at the DNVR bar this tonight as well, or any night, because we have the best selection of Breckenridge Brewery here. And of course, if you're not by the bar, you can't make it to the bar, go to the Breck Beer Locator on their website, and you can find it's really cool because not only can you find where they have Breck Brew, you can find exactly what Breck Brew beers they have. And man, it is always strawberry sky season. Getting a little chilly, so vanilla porter season. Uh, and get in on all. All the Breck brew you can think of. We still even got a Christmas egg ale keg here. We sure do. We need to finish that. By the way, uh, Dave Gettleman uh, retiring. Oh, yes. so that's the See, move I that's thought, going on. Didn't in New I York. say that on the show? I was like, isn't he going to retire or something? Mm. That was. I mean, everyone kind of expected that. Spielman to uh, New York. Oh gosh, I don't know if that would. Uh, I don't know if that would move the needle for Giants fans uh, very much. Dave Gettleman, of course, who uh, three years ago at this time. Uh, or a little bit after three years ago this time, was in what he called full-bloom love, quote-unquote, when he saw Daniel Jones at the Senior Bowl and picked him in the top ten. Yep. Yeah, and questionable phrasing. Been downhill since Anthony Lynn has also been fired as the Lions offensive coordinator. What a fall from grace he's had. I mean, just one year ago, the head coach of uh, the Chargers and now not even an offensive coordinator. You knew that was coming after they stripped play calling responsibilities from him. Yep. Yep. earlier this season. Man, for him, if you get your quarterback as a head coach and you can't stay alive, you really screwed something up. Yeah, it's very true. Yep. But mm-hmm. oh well. Uh all right. We gave you who we think they're going to go with, but who do we want them to go with? Oftentimes listeners conflate those two things as, as it's happening in our chat right now yes, exactly. and, and, and yes. speaking of our chat if you're tuning in live hit go over to youtube hit us with a thumbs up we'd really appreciate it subscribe to our channel and turn on alerts because we're going to be going live anytime there's news but also we're going live five days a week no matter what yeah i've still got people in my mentions being like you wanted vic back i'm like no <laughs> that's not what i said <laughs> um anyways so this is that's what we think they're gonna do Let's do what we want them to do. Mace, let's start with you. Who is your number one candidate on the board? With a bullet, Doug Peterson. Okay. Why? With a a bullet? Yes. I haven't heard that phrase. Well, that's what they'd say when, like, rising up the charts fast. Mm. Moving moving fast. Okay, okay. I'm with a bullet. Why? Offensive background, tutored by Andy Reid, head coaching experience, successful head coaching experience, successful work with quarterbacks. And leadership. He yeah. was loved by players there. Right. And that's why just to, you know, get this over with, he's my number one as well. And he is my number one. <laughs> as well. stop doing this. And the reason for that is what don't you like? Literally the only thing that you wouldn't like about him is um if you want a defensive guy. And as following the Broncos for the past five years, I don't want a defensive guy. I want the offensive mind. And he has it all. Like you said, Mace, he not only found a quarterback but then developed Carson Wentz, had the best years of his of Carson Wentz's career under him, and then did the same with Nick Foles and had success with him against Tom Brady and Belichick in the Super Bowl. There's, there's nothing not to like about Doug Peterson. And he didn't do that stupid crap that coaches do where they're like, we're going to call our offense no matter what. No, when Nick Foles came in, he tailored the offense directly to Nick Foles mm-hmm. and got himself a ring because of it. There are people, um, the na- I guess the Doug P- Peterson naysayers are saying, well, he never had success once Frank Reich was gone. Um, and, and you can have that take. Didn't they go to the playoffs twice without Frank Reich? I think they yes, did. Yes, they did. Yeah, They literally think- did. So Frank and- Reich, good coach, 
yesterday. Oh. The year the and the year they Big were one flags. and done in the playoffs was the year. Remember they had to go start Josh McCown. Just kind of had to pluck him oh, off. Yeah. He was like shuttling back yeah, and yeah, forth. From Texas coaching his son's high yeah. school team. <laughs> and then they, son's gonna be a buff by the way. Yeah, oh. and they had to bring him in, and he had to start that playoff game, and they nearly won. Yep. With Josh McCown Against at the, the end of Seattle, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, the when year they, before was the Vikings. Yeah. I think. When they, they beat the Vikings in the championship game. And then in 2018, they lost in the divisional round, I want to say to New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, that sounds right. Yeah. And then. And it was an adult. Yeah. But they made the playoffs twice without Frank Reich. Yeah. So and, and I don't buy the whole thing that he can't win without Reich. I think it, that's hogwash. It felt like they really got bit hard by the injury bug um, mm-hmm. in those seasons following they did. the Super Bowl season. And, like, it was, you know, um, your left tackle was going down. What's that guy's name? He was, like, Lane Johnson. forever. No, Lane Johnson also getting injured. Yeah. The oh, left tackle. Jason was, Peters. Jason, yeah. Jason yeah. Peters, yeah. right. He's going down. Yeah. Um, you know, they had several injuries on the defensive side of the ball. So... You know, Vic Fangio can probably uh, relate to that, mm-hmm. but he has had the high-level success when his team was not even healthy. They lost their best player, arguably, mm-hmm. in that Super Bowl season, still got it done. I think if they had held on to Peterson, they would have had the exact type, type same type of season they had with Nick Sirianni. Yeah, and Sirianni deserves credit, man. Yes, he does. He was a meme, and everyone was dunking on him, and, of course, Eagles fans you know, hated him from day one. Because he had a bad press conference. Yep. Look. Almost Vance everyone jo- has a good Vance press conference. Vance Joseph won the press conference. Yeah. How did that turn out? Yep. I'm not concerned about winning the press conference. I'm concerned about winning games. And one thing that I respect about Sirianni is he had the whole wrong idea going into the season, thinking they're going to be an air it out team. And, you know, they had uh, Jalen Hurts, like, dropping back 50 times. He realized, this ain't working. We need a big change. They started running the ball. They became one of the better running teams in the NFL. They made the playoffs. You had one of the biggest switches. Didn't they run the ball like four times in a game? It was the fewest in, in any game yep, ever. In the modern and then they, and then they turned night, out to Cowboys, be, yeah. Yep, and then they turned out to be a, a good running team. And so, guys, who's your number two? Because you could kind of relate a potential number two to that. Maybe. I'm going Jim Caldwell. Mm, okay. You're going to see a common thread on my list. These are all guys who've been head coaches. Yeah. And I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Let the first-time coach make the first-time mistakes on Somewhere somebody else. else's dime. I, I'm not afraid, afraid to hire a retread. Find out what they've learned from their past gig, how they're a better coach. Go ahead. Bring him in. And I think Caldwell, of course, has, has had two gigs. The other thing with Caldwell is, and we alluded to this yesterday, if Peyton Manning is possibly in the mix for ownership at some point, we know what Peyton thinks of Jim Caldwell, and it's very, and he thinks very highly of him. Yep. I, I, that's one where, if you, if there is intel that that sort of thing may happen, this might be a really wise hire organizationally. But, but you shouldn't. I, I agree with everything you said, but I, you shouldn't be hiring a head coach for the next owner. In, no. In, in in my opinion, so but he has his. But he, it's the added benefit. He has his own merits that I think make him a very good candidate here. Yes. But that's just kind of, oh, that, that's the cherry on the Sunday. Yeah. Of Jim Caldwell. Is yeah. that is that he's a Peyton guy. I, and on, and like I said yesterday, this organization was successful with Peyton. I, I like doing things that connect back to the only time in the last 15 years of Broncos football that they've had something sustained and successful. Fair. 
Yeah, it, it is fair. It's not. It's not where I'm going, Ryan. Who right. are you going? Where are you with going? Who are you going with? Who are you going? Who are you going? <laughs> you want me to flip a coin uh, and I'm, I'm, I'll decide. Which... I'm gonna. I'm gonna go a guy that's been on the market for two hours. I'm gonna go Brian wow. Flores for this right now. Um, he he's a guy that, and I do have to do a little more deep dive on uh, on why he's out there. I agree with you. I think it's probably more BS politics why he's out. Uh, but look what he did this year. Turned around that team. Uh, I think he has. And over- last year he turned that team exactly. Out. I think he has actually overperformed with what he's had there as a coach. He's got those rookie mistakes as a head coach out of the way. And, and I think right now he turns on as it, he goes into the market as one of the hottest coaches out there. So, yeah, and, and you are going to hear reasons why he's fired. And I think a lot of it's going to come back to personality. And my thing is, like, don't hire a Belichick disciple to come bring in the Patriot way and then be mad that he's an asshole. <laughs> oh, right. Especially if you're winning. You know, now, what? if you're losing like Josh McDaniels, then, uh, of course, it rubs everyone the wrong way. People, you start to lose the room. He's winning. Here's the interesting thing, though. George Payton, we've talked about him working in Miami. He was the director of pro personnel there from 0106. He worked hand-in-hand then with Chris Greer, who apparently won this power struggle in Miami that appears to have happened between Greer and Brian Flores. And, of course, Greer's the GM. He was with it, but he, he was with the Dolphins as either a scout or the assistant director of scouting the entire time that George Payton was in Miami. My guess is that George Payton has Chris Greer's phone number, and if he's thinking about Brian Flores, he's probably going to talk to Chris Greer about what happened. Yeah. So that's why I'm not sure Brian Flores is going to happen. Doesn't necessarily mean, though, that just because they've worked together in the past that that, uh, Payton's going to have Chris Greer's side. It means that he can get that side of the story. He'll probably get the intel on it. That side of the story, because obviously the intel is Chris doesn't like Brian Flores. So then he he better do his research searching from the other side. Or the intel is, look, we, uh, we heard Doug Peterson was available. We knew he wanted to be in Florida. He didn't want to go to Jacksonville. We had an opportunity to get him, and we thought he would elevate our team, so we fired Brian Flores. You better have better intel than that. You better know he's coming well, to that's your what I'm team saying. If, if that's the case. And on top of that, guys, an interesting thing that's playing out there is it seemed like there was some tension between Tua and Brian Flores there. Brian Flores was it seeming like the reason Deshaun Watson wanted to go to Miami. So now Tua probably didn't like that. It seems like they chose Tua over Flores, which, hey, if, if, if you like your, your quarterback and your head coach the same and there's an issue, you choose the quarterback 100% of the time. So maybe that's why they did it. But now this also means if we're talking about Deshaun Watson not having these legal issues anymore, Miami does not seem to be the front runner for Deshaun anymore. No, definitely not. But all then right. it becomes a question of, all right, if you can't get Deshaun Watson with everything that went on with maybe wanting wanting – Watson, maybe Tua, you know, kind of having things awkward with Tua. If the Broncos aren't getting a veteran and they're going to develop a quarterback, is Flores the right guy? Right. All right, for me, number two is a name that had come up a lot for a long time and has cooled for whatever reason. Um, I don't think it should be cooled. It's Kellen Moore. Um, To me, he just seems like a guy who's going to have success. I don't know. You know, obviously he has the offensive uh, thing about him. He's young. He's exciting. Um, I, I'm intrigued by what he does on offense. But I really just think that he's one of those guys that, like, if you go back and talk 
to his coaches at Boise State or his coaches in high school, they'd all tell you this guy's going to one day be an NFL head coach. And he just has that pedigree to me where I think he's going to get along with players. I think he's going to be, make smart decisions. You know, he's had success at every level of his life in football except as an NFL quarterback, which is one of the hardest things to do. Um, and to me, I just I, – I don't know. He, he's, he ha- there's something about him that I think is going to work. And I think this could be the, the one that got away in this cycle if you don't go that direction, uh, where you're looking back three years from now the same way that kind of people look at Kyle Shanahan or that people are looking at Zach Taylor and saying, oh, man, why didn't we go with that guy? He, you know, he had all the things that are working in today's NFL, which is a, a lot of times these younger offensive minds are popping one after another. Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, he's that mm-hmm. guy in this cycle. And he also just has that – he has an it factor to me um, that I think you're going to regret not having if you, if you don't go that way. I think the guy who you're talking about isn't Kellen Moore. I think it's Brian Callahan, and, and that's going to be the guy because, mm-hmm. like we talked about, he's developed a quarterback. He's been under another great mind in Zach Taylor. I see why you like Kellen Moore, but if I would be going that route, that's who I would go with. Yeah. What would be the separating factor for you there? Uh, I just <laughs> – Look at everything. I mean, he did. He didn't develop Dak, and, yeah, I, and, yeah. and and again, this isn't a knock on Kellen. I'm not trying to bring him down. It's just proving what it, he can prove something that Kellen hasn't been able to. Yeah, and that's fair. And you definitely have to have hesitation with Kellen Moore because of what he has at his disposal. It's Dak. It's Zeke. It's three really good receivers. Great offensive line for a while, too. Yeah, a good offensive line. Uh, all of that stuff makes it so you can't just say, like, look at the numbers. Let's hire Kellen Moore. you right. got to dive in a little deeper. Right. But mm-hmm. I just look at that offense and the way that they get the ball to those weapons, and I think, man, how great would it be to see the Broncos get the ball to their weapons the way that that offense does? Something right now that after listening to all three of our number twos that is so apparent to me is this is a one-man class, in my opinion. It's Doug, in my mind, it's Doug Peterson and then a pretty big drop-off. For me, personally, I, these three guys we've all talked about, they're fine. Am I, even my number two. I, I'm, not, I'm not head over heels for Brian mm-hmm. Flores. I, I want offense. I'm not head over heels for him. And that's why a lot of people have said this is a pretty weak head coaching cycle this year. And I think I'm starting to realize just how prevalent that is. Well, we're, we're shooting for the moon in this list of three, right? Yep. yep. And I feel like I've fallen a long way from the moon okay. after my number one. I'm shooting for the moon on my third choice. Okay, I love it. Jim Harbaugh. That's fine. Interesting. That's fine. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, if, if we're talking about just ideal, okay, I can get whoever I want. Harbaugh's got to be in the in that list of three. The reason why I would say I've got him three is because you know he's going to grind, kind of grind down and have a. Pro- he has a shorter shelf life, I think, than the other options on this list. Cut. You know, you need to win quickly. After a couple years, everyone's going to get tired of him. Because that's just that's the pace at which he runs. Caldwell and Peterson, they're more sustainable, as it were. And I'm not. Someone asked me yesterday about Caldwell being in his 60s. I'm like, last three Super Bowl co- winning coaches are in their 60s. Mm. I, you know what? I, I, age is not a factor for me one way or the other. And in fact, we talk about the, how all the hot young coaches and get some of the coaches having the biggest success are. Older ones. And so I think you, you shouldn't rule out a young coach, but you shouldn't rule out an old coach either. Well, yeah. And you're seeing the younger coaches 
a couple times here get schooled by the older coaches in the Super Bowl. Yes. Where Sean McVay got schooled mm-hmm. by Bill Belichick in, yeah. the, in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan, not necessarily schooled, but lost to Andy Reid. I mean, I'll admit, if I were making this list more realistically, my third choice would actually be the guy who was on my other list, and that's Raheem Morris. Mm. And again, defensive guy in Los Angeles, but has worked on the offensive side. But that's the, okay, he's got the Sean McVay connection, having seen how McVay went about things this year. I think he would, and also having worked for Mike Shanahan in Washington, I think there are things that Morris would help would translate into his next job, and he has the past head coaching experience and the experience of making some mistakes as the Bucks head coach. All right, number three, Zach. You first. All right, I'll <laughs> go first with this time. Um, my number three, people are going to hate this, um, but I'm not going to go all offense here. So I look to the defensive side of the ball, and I say, who's a defensive coach who's been a part of some really great offenses? And it's the guy who's number one, I think, on George Payton's list, too. I'm going to put Dan Quinn in here. I think that Dan Quinn is going to be hired by someone, and I think when that happens, he's going to have success there. And I think that's probably going to be the Broncos. Um, so this, I know I understand why this doesn't excite people. I understand all the people saying, how could you go defense again? I'm with you. If you're going to go defense again, at least go with a guy who's had some serious success on the offensive side while he is uh, the, the defensive coach. My one request, if Dan Quinn comes here, I want backwards hat Dan Quinn, even as the head coach. Mm, oh, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Give me backwards hat Dan Quinn on the sidelines um, while he's coaching the Denver Broncos. You don't you know, be you. Yeah, just don't tell Colin Cowherd. <laughs> Backwards hat works on the Broncos' sideline because it's a west sideline, right? So the sun is kind of right, south your and neck. west. You're right, you're yes, right. it's backwards hat on that side is actually really smart. Only you could think of it in that way. <laughs> As somebody who does turn his hat backwards when the sun is in a certain direction, I, I'm going to defend backwards I hat. I want to see backwards hat maze. I don't, I don't think I've more. ever seen backwards hat maze. I've seen because, bucket hat maze. Because we're, not in, because we're not in an environment where I've got to choose, like, okay, I've got to shade one side or other because we're doing this inside. And then for training camp, I wear bucket hats, so it's all covered. But there are times, like, at baseball games and stuff, oh, the sun's behind me, and it's like that. About that, it's a like fun. It. It's a function thing, and I support it entirely. <laughs> well, you got a you got a light behind you. Maybe you need to protect your neck from that. Um, Dan Quinn just looks okay. like such a a football guy when he oh, puts he, on the backwards hat. He he looks great. And guys, the third I'm gonna go with right now. And one thing we're gonna do is we're gonna update <laughs> these boards. We may update them daily if we get a change of heart. And I expect my two and three, maybe my one, but my two and three to change a lot. And for this first one, for this first one, I have to get a young offensive mind in here because what have we been banging the table for just that for years young offensive mind young offensive mind so it is going to be Brian Callahan for me one thing Mm. that I love about him he's worked in a successful regime starting as he would start Zach Taylor uh, a first-time head coach didn't have much experience in terms of upper management he he worked under him from the start he got to see how that worked he got to see Zach Taylor's mistakes what worked for Zach Taylor but then most importantly not only does he have a really good offense now but he identified helped identify Joe Burrow and then helped bring him in and helped groom him to what he is now I will say though like I don't want to give too much credit for a number one overall pick Heisman national champion like 
Um, he, what, I mean, yes, that's true, but it wasn't, it, he wasn't like a, a sure thing, number one. No, it wasn't Trevor Lawrence-esque, mm -hmm. but it was. It was a Heisman. I don't think it was, I don't think it was very close. He he was not he was not known. No, he, the year nine months and, before. And the I remember draft. a lot of skepticism about. Oh, there was. Is, it a, is he a one year wonder? Exactly. Is he a exactly? Is he a it's product? It's much easier of, to look right. back now and say, oh, he was. It was obvious. And he was throwing at Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, two guys who have proven to already be elite wide receivers. What a novel idea! Just go get that guy that he was throwing to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I there were I I said they should. Take Panay Sewell. I will admit I was wrong. Mm. I underestimated the preternatural chemistry that exists between Burrow and Chase. I don't know that I've seen two guys that were so quickly on the same page since like Montana and Rice. Like as far as just so right. quickly, one knew what the other was going to do. And I mean, you see, I, I, I Peyton Manning did a detail on Joe Burrow and the Bengals and Jamar Chase. And pointed out just how Burrow is a anticipates where Chase is going to be, like two steps, like like a break ahead. Right. He knows, and you see him just, and there's no way to defend that unless Pat Sertan's standing in between yeah. them. That's literally the only guy, the only one who's who's screwed that up is Sertan. Yep. And and Broncos coverage, but you wonder what that's going to look like if the defensive tactics change the next time the Broncos go up against the. And Bengals. Bryce Callahan did a great job in that yeah. game too, but when Sertan was on him, ten snaps, zero yeah. targets. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, okay. We do, yeah, we do reserve the right to move our rankings around on both boards, but this is a great starting place uh, for us to look at, and we, we won't spend whole segments on it in the future. We'll probably just, you know, give production an update before the show, bring it up during the show, and, uh, and see where things stand at the time. The one thing that has been man mentioned about Dan Quinn um, that I just want to make sure I get out there because I know I'm going to get hate for even putting him on my favorites list is that he has a connection with Russell Wilson, strong connection with Russell Wilson. And so you still have to trade for Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson already expressed interest in Denver, apparently, reportedly. That would definitely help. It's not a bad thing. You don't make the hire because of that. No. Nope. But it's a nice little feather in the cap. And maybe when Dan Quinn interviews, he brings that up and, and has a legitimate thing, not just us, you know, saying, oh, yeah, well, they know each other. I hope not, and I hope that's not part of the conversation. And the reason is because you are hiring your head coach regardless of who the quarterback is. That yes, guy needs to help bring a quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's why I brought him up could, the very last could, thing I was going to say Could that it. help? Yes, but, again, he's not a free agent. If Russell Wilson was a free agent, then that does play into your decision. He is not a free agent he would have to force his way out Seattle would have to agree to it uh and one thing that gives me confidence that uh George Payton's not going to do that is talking about the quarterback position yesterday he made it very clear that that this head coach is the only thing on his mind right now now that has to be in the conversation about how are you going to get me a quarterback mm -hmm. but he's not thinking let me bring the my head coach in because of the connections he has with guys in the past. Well, right. Give me your yeah. plan at quarterback. Yeah. That's going to be one of the first things they discuss. And saying Russell Wilson is not a plan. No. You got to have something else on top of that. And the if Broncos already Quinn. have, like, they have plan A and plan B. Right. Plan A is if one of those elite veterans comes in, that's the direction they're going to do everything it takes to try to get that guy. And then that's where you hire a coach who hopefully has some kind of a court. But then plan B, which I'd say is probably more realistic right now is 
going into the draft pool. Yep. And then having, yeah, whether it's Drew Locke or somebody you bring in, uh, you know, competition, bridge, whatever, but getting identifying QB1 from this class and getting that guy. And right. I know there are people who don't want to hear that, but that is something that is very much in play. Yeah, and it really is. And <clears throat> I think when you have those meetings, you have to. You also have to give your plan A and plan B as a coach. Mm-hmm. And so you could say, look, plan A, I've been talking to Russ. He really wants to, you know, out of Seattle. I think we can get him, blah, blah, blah. Plan B, maybe you say, look, I'm bringing in McDaniel as my OC, or I want Mike Kafka as my OC. And I think this quarterback in the draft really fits well with him. I think at nine, we can get him, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So you have to come with multiple plans. Yeah, um, of course. And you only need one plan when you go to Lightshade Dispensary. The plan is use code DNVR. Uh, when you walk in, get what you want, whatever you need, go in there, say, I'm, I'm using code DNVR, get 25% off your whole order from Lightshade Dispensary. Um, there's so much down there. And there's so many options for you, including some of those great CBD creams that Mace was talking about yesterday. Um, my mom uses those. She she swears by them. I, you know, uh, I've had grandparents who love it too. Um, so check that stuff out if you're not you know into all the other stuff that they offer at Lightshade Dispensary. Um, but check them out. Make sure you use that code DNVR when you go over to Lightshade Dispensary. Multiple locations in the Denver area. Get 25% off your whole order. It's a great deal. And you got to check out our friends over at Ball because you're going to need money over at Lightshade Dispensary. And you can get that money over by working at Ball. And at Ball, they are wanting to hire you. If you want to work in the aluminum can industry, the aerospace engineering industry, well, they've got it over at Ball because they do both. And they're hiring for their production plant here in Golden. And their pay starts at $27.39 an hour, extremely competitive wages. And they offer potential increases at 6, 12, and 18 months. And it offers you exposure to a lot of other positions in Ball. So you can build a career and you can get your foot in the door with a great job at Ball. They also have uh, great 401ks for retirement. They have comprehensive insurance from the day you start. Stock purchase ownerships and so many other great benefits over at Ball. If you go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden, you can get hooked up with these positions or text Golden to 77222. Check them out at jobs.ball.com. Search for Golden. Love it. All right, let's move on here, boys. Real quick, if you're watching on YouTube, we would appreciate it if you hit us with a thumbs up. Yesterday, uh, we almost, I think we set our thumbs up record. Let's go. Uh, 450 or something like that. So let's people were it. happy with us, but I think they were also happy uh, with the news of change. I don't think, not tap dancing on Vic Fangio's grave, so to speak, as coach, but happy well, I think that a lot change of fans is coming. Doing that. And they shouldn't. <laughs> But I think happy that change is coming. That's fair. Yeah. Well, hopefully during this coaching cycle, we can beat that record. So hit us with a thumbs up. We always appreciate that. Um, Subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the content that's coming in in the next few weeks. Um, And yeah, appreciate you guys and appreciate all of our listeners. Do we have any super chats we need to hit, Kale? Not yet. Okay, cool. Let's get into comments from the listeners. I don't think we have time for all of them today, but we'll try to get as many as we can. First one coming in from Mile High Till I Die. More and more, I'm starting to think that if we can't lend Russell Rogers in this offseason, that Drew Locke will be our starter next year. We'll go and get a quarterback in the draft, and Drew Locke will start while the rookie develops in the front office. We'll hope Drew plays well so we can trade him when our drafted quarterback is ready to start, especially since Fangio and Shermer are gone, and they had it out for Locke. Why would we spend $10 million for Andy Dalton or Tyron Taylor when they have cost-controlled in-house bridge quarterback? 
back. I kind of hate the idea of another bridge year, but I hate it less than bringing in a washed-up old quarterback for a bridge year. Actually, after listening to Vic, or I'm sorry, I'm going to do this often. After listening to George Payton talk yesterday, I think he's out on the entire quarterback room. Uh, when talking about Drew Didn't Locke. Didn't even say either of their names, did he? Uh, he said Drew. Okay. And, and mm-hmm. when he when he talked about Drew, he said, oh, yeah, Drew's going to be around next year. Or, or he said Drew's under contract for one more year. That's not a Swiss singing endorsement for him. Like, yeah. yeah, we really like what we saw from Drew. And instead of saying all the good things about him, he said a quarterback has to win. And Drew Locke did not win. So, I mean, people got really frustrated with Vic's comments throughout the year about how he wouldn't say anything good about Drew. If Vic said those comments yesterday that George said about Drew, people would be furious. So, I I think they're going a different direction regardless of who the quarterback is. I interpreted is. those comments the exact same way as you did. Especially, especially the comment about a quarterback having to win. And I'm like, oh, boy. Let me just ask the, the, you this, the trend Because the, uh, the trend on Drew Locke in terms of you're saying – is the team winning with him out there? No, they're not. And we talked about the fumbles yesterday. I forgot about the one against the Raiders. It was against the Raiders, right? Uh, on the zone read. So that's... Bengals. Oh, sorry, Bengals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's three games this year that the Broncos potentially lost because of a fumble right. in scoring range. Yeah. How is that? Like In the fourth quarter? Yes, yeah. in the fourth quarter. I, yeah. The Eagles one wasn't in the fourth quarter, I don't think. It was at the end of the third quarter. The yeah. third, yeah. So it was very close. So yep. crucial time. Yeah. Crucial time, fumble, late in the game when you're going in to score. Three games. They'd be in the playoffs if they won those three games. And Vic Fangio would be the coach. Yes, they would. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy really how crazy. those things, just those three plays add up. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other plays, but that's why. But also, it's another example of how this team... They were trying to. They were walking a fine line. They weren't. You know, they when you're a team that is mediocre, you don't have a margin for error, and there's your margin for error. Boom! All of a sudden, you go from being ten and seven to seven and ten, just like that. Let me just ask I'm, you, you guys, this. I, and I know of the three of us, I'm probably the the one who holds out hope for Drew Lock the most. Um, if they were to get one of those offensive minded head coaches, and the options were. Give Drew Locke one more chance or bring in, like, an Andy Dalton. Which way, which way would you lean? I mean, if it's an Andy Dalton, especially a new head coach who doesn't have to win right away, it, you, you go Drew Locke. Um, I understand. I think it made more sense last year to go with Teddy Bridgewater because this was Vic's chance to show that he could stay. Now you're starting over. You go with Drew over Andy, that's for sure. You lose me kind of at the older type, the you know, the Andy Dalton, even, like, the Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off of injury. I'd be more if you're talking about kind of British competition. If you're doing this again, I'd look at a guy like Marcus Mariota. That's for example. Yeah, that wasn't I mean, a question though, because no, I, I, know. I agree what, with you. What about yeah, you? You I, would take Doug I, I would, Peterson I would, and Mariota. Is that, I would, would go. I'm not. I've not. Yeah, but I would those go. Are terrible yeah. options. Yeah, please don't. If it's Locker Dalton, then yeah. I'm going Drew Lock. The options, but that's not. But right. that. But the options aren't binary like no. that. I'm just. I said a guy like Andy Dalton. Yeah. Um. The options aren't that great in real life. You know, you have the pipe dreams of Wilson and Rodgers, and then you have a quarterback class with nothing but question marks. Um, Everyone has a fatal flaw. That's the thing. But you could say that about a lot of quarterback classes. I'm one who doesn't think this quarterback class is bad as a lot of people. I don't think, think it's it bad. I think it it's it's the opposite of right. top heavy, whatever right. that is. It's middle heavy. It's it's very it's actually very much like 2017. And again, you had a couple of guys that hit, but then you had Trubisky was a big miss. 
in that you've got guys that have some attributes, but they all have something that could sink them. If it's and the question is, what can you coach out? Which quarterback has the things that could sink them that you can coach out of them over the over the long haul? I do think in the end it's going to settle as Matt Corral as QB one though. Mm. Okay. When all the when all the dust settles, it I don't I think I don't think it'll be a league wide consensus like some years, but I think most teams will probably say he's the QB one in the end. That's who's mine right now. I think so. He's mine too. That. It's an interesting conversation, and I hope it doesn't get to this worst case scenario. Yeah. But I do think there's a chance it comes down to hey, do you just want to try one more year with Drew as essentially your bridge quarterback to get to next year, or are you going with another Teddy Bridgewater esque quarterback? Or, it sounds like hell. What, what about a Minshew? Guys, there's a big name we need to talk about, and we'll we'll dive mm. into it later this week. With the changes in Minnesota, yeah. Kirk Cousins is probably available, <laughs> and there are okay, reports right, that right. George Payton was was very instrumental in bringing him there. You want to go to the playoffs? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Gives and you a and again, that, that's Wait, a bigger conversation. One you want to go to the playoffs? Have have. Haven't they only been in the playoffs once in four years in Minnesota with Cousins at QB? Yes. And yeah, and that it's no it's, it's not no a guarantee. guarantee. I'm just saying, like, if your goal is, hey, let's build a playoff team. <laughs> They did. Yeah. He, he, I wouldn't do uh, – oh, gosh. <laughs> we'll have a whole conversation about this. I can't oh. stand Kirk Cousins. But you can make a case for him. Cosmo Kelly says, oh, God. Quick super chat real quick. Oh, quick super chat um, uh, from <laughs> Stan 19 Thanks for the super chat. Oh, thank you for the thank super you. chat, Rystan. Cosmo Kelly says, oh, God. I almost feel the same way about Dan Quinn and left, which is I do Russell Wilson big pass, but not quite. Yeah, you want I'm, some big passes? Yeah. Uh, hey, Russell Wilson. I'm telling you, not the gems of this coaching cycle are Dougie P and Kellen Moore. Trust me. Well, both of those guys are on my wish list. Mm-hmm. He says all three not, of these people, but he says not the oh, gems of this. No, coaching I'm stuff. telling I'm you. Telling, I'm telling you not. I think he means like it's I'm almost. I'm telling like, you now, now. I think is what he meant to oh, say. Comma. Or okay. I th- or maybe I you know I kid you not. I don't. Know, that's what. Right. I, right. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Think well, yeah. we'll we'll see, Cosmo Kelly. You're taking bold stances, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, Broncology. Thanks, Vic. Great guy. I appreciate him and admire him. I'm also glad to see him gone. Yeah, so I fair. think that's, that's pretty fair. Very fair. Yep. Yep, probably a good way to look at it. PS2 says, all offseason we'll be talking about getting the quarterback, but I feel like it will be all for nothing. Obviously, Wilson, Rodgers, Rogers, and Watson will be the main focus, but the odds of us getting them are slim to none. Seahawks will probably let Pete Carroll go and keep Russ. It looks and looks like the Packers have mended the relationship between Rodgers. Watson still has legal issues and don't see. seems like Denver is a preferred option. Once we miss out on these early quarterbacks, the only option is to draft one, but no one pops out. So I think we should trade back in the draft and accumulate another first round pick select tackle guard Kenyon Green from Texas A&M this year and roll with Locke in Locke's last nine starts he has put up 60.8% completion percentage 13 total touchdowns seven turnovers 88.9 pass rating 53.2 QBR and 221 yards per game two of those turnovers came from last second Hail Marys if you average this into a 17 game season it would be 25 touchdowns 13 turnovers 3,757 yards these are not insane numbers but it would put him around the league average Average. He would have more touchdowns and less interceptions than Derek Carr, who you would have to consider bringing to Denver. I think with a better offensive coordinator, Locke can rank between 15 and 11 range of quarterbacks. What do you guys think? Very convenient to leave the games off where he was a backup. Well, starts yeah. are way more important. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Mace here, though. I think this is uh, this is building the case if you only want Drew Locke to succeed. Mm-hmm. And you can make an argument... 
I'm sure it would take Mace 30 seconds to make the argument against him, and it probably would be even more convincing because right now you got locked to a middling quarterback. I'm sure if you, if you make the other case, it's probably a lot worse. I, I'm ready to move on from Teddy and from Drew Locke, and I also think the organization is. Yeah, I'm ready to reset the room. The other thing is also I think Drew Locke has a long career in this league. I really do. But I think it's a career of kind of lower-tier starter – top backup, kind of back and forth. It's a career that maybe looks – and maybe there's a few years where he's a starter. I think it's a career that looks a lot like, in terms of performance, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh McCown. Hmm. Uh, anyone should take that. Right. But is that the guy that you're building around as a franchise? No. No. Um, that, that's kind of <clears throat> that, – based on kind of what we've seen, what the progress we've seen from Drew Locke, I think he's kind of worked his way up to where you say, all right, this guy, he's going to be around, especially if he's kind of learned more, better how to be a backup and how to kind of step in and fill in. But just didn't see – look, didn't see enough. And you could see they were kind of trying to rain to prevent Drew from making mistakes in those three games – but then it sort of sapped some of his attributes a little bit. He may not be able to kind of walk that tightrope of playing mistake-free football and also being a gunslinger. If you have a plan— Aaron Rodgers can. Maybe Drew, I don't know if Drew Locke is that type of quarterback. If you have a plan like the one mentioned there, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in on it. Accumulate a first-round pick for next year. Get through this year. You probably want to lose some games. It's um, obvious what you're doing if that happens. Like, if, if all of a sudden the Broncos trade down— heading into the draft and they pick up another first round pick or they, you know, they, they, they keep adding assets. Then we know what we can suspect what the plan is. And I think everyone can kind of hold tight and say, all right, they're looking to move up in 23. They're looking to take their shot at Stroud or young. That's and a, that's a plan. And that's valid. That excites me. <laughs> the idea it's easier to say now when there's not games being played, um, it would suck going through another year of the Broncos being bad. Um, but or worse, mediocre. Right. It's like, do you want the do you want Bryce Young, and you know whatever comes with that, or C.J. Stroud, or do you want Kirk Cousins? Because that's the other option. You know, you can get that instant gratification with Kirk Cousins of being decent or being um, respectable and a competitor for the playoffs right away, or you can take the long view. And, and unfortunately, it doesn't feel like this class has the middle ground there which is take a quarterback this year and get the instant gratification right away they're very well Kenny Pickett very well could walk into the NFL and be very good absolutely. right now it doesn't feel like any of those guys are that guy one of these quarterbacks is absolutely going to be good it's yes. just this whole draft class it doesn't look like there's going to be five quarterbacks that picked picked in the first round that you feel great about there's going to be huge questions around all of them but one's going to be really good there's going to be a Christian Ponder in this group Ugh. Yikes. And George Payton knows all about that. Yes, he does. Because they picked him in round one. They probably reached on him uh, back in yep. an otherwise great 2011 first round that at quarterback was kind of, that was the Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, uh, Blaine Gabbert. Yikes. Yep. Uh, next one's from Bronk, Bronk Oilers. The one thing that gives me a lot of hope is the philosophical contrast between Payton and Elway when it comes to the coaching shirts. The one thing Elway laid out right off the bat is he wants an expert, elite X's and O's guy on one side of the ball. George Payton's bottom line is to bring in to a guy who can lead and motivate the entire team. He's not necessarily looking for any particular offensive or defensive expertise. 
Ultimately, it's the very fact that Vic's defensive acumen far exceeded his other abilities as a head coach that led to his downfall. And I'm really encouraged to see that Peyton is seemingly taking a more open-minded approach this time around. Dan Quinn and Jim Caldwell seem like the obvious fits to me, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gives some outside-the-box guys like Jared Mayo or Gerard Mayo a serious look. I, w- I would love it, and I think that's someone that's very high on many people's lists. I think you you look at him. But now I think with Brian Flores... I was going to say, literally yesterday we were like, oh yeah, that's following the Brian Flores model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think Brian Flores has now jumped him, at least in my book. Right. And Flores had a hell of a lot more coaching experience, too. I mean, Mayo's literally only been on the Patriots staff for three years. Of course, he played for eight mm-hmm. as well. But he's still... I I like the idea. I just, I just wonder if it's a little early, but at the same time, I think the other thing with Mayo is there are some Mike Vrabel vibes mm. mike vrabel absolutely the coach of the year i mean the freaking number one seed without without the, the best MVP. player yeah without rich bisaccia <laughs> yeah. all they yeah. overcame i mean they he should yeah. get bisaccia should get some votes and frankly yeah, hell if tell. the if the raiders are committed to moving on from him teams, they would be so dumb i agree like keep him yeah i mean you don't need some f- flashy Crazy! Look at the way that's, that stadium that's the was last way, night. Though, I know is it the is. I, look I at agree that stadium with you. last night. The stadium was packed. It's not like you need to energize the fan base. The fan base loves this guy, and they should. They love him. They love the. They love that team. Like, they love the. Pl- they love the players on that team too. They love Carr. They love Waller. They really love Hunter Renfro. Yeah. They love Josh Jacobs. Yeah. It's, they it's, don't. It's amazing, like how quickly Las Vegas has just, as Dave Gettleman might say fallen in full bloom love with that bunch of people. Well, that's because they did something really impressive. Yeah. They overcome, they overcame insane adversity right in the middle of their season. Mm-hmm. They lost their best wide receiver and their head coach within a few weeks span. And then they got that's better. Sad. Yeah. Eventually. How they do got, you not, they I, got worse for a while, but then they got better right. at the end. And that may be the most impressive thing to me Yes, is they did win a game or two after all of that, and then they really fell off. And then to come back up was incredible. I mean, they, when they played the Broncos in week 15, in week uh, 16, that was a team that looked like it was in full descent. Yeah. They, they, they just beat the Browns, but the Browns were without everybody. And it was like they just squeaked by. It, look, it looked like a terrible team. And then, then to their credit... They found ways to win. They just looked like a team with strong leadership to me. Strong leadership and 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 mental toughness. Like right. so things go compare them to the Colts. The Colts faded down, faded at the end. The page, the Raiders rose at the end. Serious rose question. The they also had the luxury of getting to play the Chargers. Serious question. You guys just said leadership. Uh, Basaccia and the Raiders lose as Mace expects them to this week. Should the Broncos interview him and and they fire him? Should the Broncos interview him next week? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Pick his brain. And here's At the he, he, and, and here's kind of the best scenario. You don't get him as head coach. You bring him on as special teams yeah, coordinator. Sign me oh. up. Because the Broncos are going to need one of those. They sure are. Well, they got to, you know, and the thing about Basakshi also is, I mean, clearly he's got a big, he has a nice big picture perspective. And we talked about this when the Raiders came in, first game as head coach. The thing that jumped out to me looking at the Raiders sideline. No chaos, no, no confusion. Totally in control. They just looked well drilled. He was in command and looked like he had been a head coach for a decade. You know who also there. is just like that? Derek Carr. Yep. Last night, he was the epitome of calm in those big situations. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. I mean, credit to him. 
Credit to him. Yep. And I think the Raiders are going to screw this up. They're going to go for some big swing. They're going to try and trade picks or something to get a guy. Stop. You're overthinking it. You have the guy. He's right there. I mean, they, they, they need some work, okay? Like, I, I put a stat out there that they have the worst point differential on a per-game basis of any playoff team since the 2011 Broncos. Wow. Okay, so they're, they're, they won a bunch of close games. So there's a little bit of a luck factor involved. But if you can replace what Henry Ruggs was yep. in that offense, I think you're right back contending next year. Oh, good. Jamison Williams. Yep. Ben, there we go. Yeah, there Vic go. Fangio, defensive coordinator, help, uh, help, oh, on, help on that route. Oh, and gosh. speaking of Vic, last night it was on full display that his comments on Saturday night to your question, Mace, <laughs> were just hundred so, percent correct. Exact, so yeah, so right. So and right. the truth hurt even more last night watching mm-hmm. it because I was having a blast with the game. And then you know, you take a step back and you're like, Well wait, if they tie, that means every AFC West team except the Broncos mm-hmm. is in the playoffs. This sucks knowing the reality, but it's such a fun game. But it was, it was an incredible game. I mean, I I appreciate Vic's honesty. Yep. Well, he knew. I think yeah, he, knew he knew at that point yeah. it was going to be his last chance yeah, yeah. to say what he really believes, and he's right about it. Now, that doesn't excuse all of the mistakes he made, but if he had a quarterback, he'd be in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, 100%. Vic, no, he, he was done then. Did you guys hear his interview with KOA right after the game, before even he went into the uh, press box or, or the media room? Yeah. He was asked, uh, Vic, what's your future like? And Vic just said, my future's great. And that was it. Wow. <laughs> okay. He, next he one. knows he's going to be okay. Yep. Next one's from Lou Drock. We probably have time for one more after this one. Hey, guys. Wow, what a 24 hours. Fangio gone and the number nine pick secured. Two questions for you. One, do you think Peyton would at least inquire about trading for a head coach like Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, or Sean Peyton? No. No. I don't think so. Yeah. No. I think Peyton values first-round picks. Yeah, exactly. A lot. Uh, two, will the head coach... Hire, tell us the direction of what quarterback path we're going down. Cheers, Charlie. Mm. You can give us hints, but I don't... uh, Like, again, if you get Dan Quinn, maybe that tells you that Russell Wilson is your number one target over Aaron Rodgers. And if it's Hackett, it's Rodgers who's going to be number one target. But that's not going to tell you what's going to actually happen because, again, it's a pipe dream. And we have to acknowledge that. It is a pipe dream to get either of those two quarters. To me, you'd hire Nathaniel Hackett because... He got a top five offensive season in Jacksonville out of a team that had Blake Bortles a quarterback. That's why you'd hire Hackett. Exactly. And let's say it's Brian Callahan, probably points more more toward the rookie route. Yeah. Yep. All right. And then I think we have some super chats that we got to hit here. So let's hit those before we get out of here. Um, From Rystan19, Mace, you need to support a good team like Liverpool. (laughs) I mean, first place right now. I mean,. Speaking of good, yeah, I think that I mean, says good right there. I've been there for the been there long enough to have been there for the bad and been there for a relegation and been there for the good. I mean, you know, there you go. Just enjoying, just enjoying these moments. <laughs> Is your mom a Man City fan? No, um, she grew up in a city called Bradford, Bradford City. Okay, it's, it's her club. I the thing about I Man, that. the thing about Man City was when I cooked on in the nineties, literally, when I took pity on them when they got relegated for being incredibly stupid in a season-ending match and not knowing what they need. They they thought they need a tie, and they need to win, as it turned out. So they packed it in? Yeah, they're like, they're and they're dribbling out the clock, oh and the people gosh. in the stands are screaming at them, no, go! And I think they're, they're actually playing Liverpool oh in the match, believe it or gosh. not. And 
I just took pity on them, and that's how I be- and they got relegated. I took pity and I became a supporter. Wow. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I mean, that's the opposite of bandwagoning. Well, I w- well, the Bucks were headed for their 14th consecutive losing season at that point. Mm. The Braves were great, but as a Bucks fan, I kind of something in Man City at that moment kind of just burrowed into my heart. And now that. they're both good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, all right. Last why. one here from Ian B. Uh, Drew's comparison is Tannehill. Tennessee seems happy. Uh, I don't know what you can point to to prove that. What What you're doing there, Ian B, is you're just. I mean that that's a good point. What can you prove to, to point mm-hmm. to to prove to? And that is that's hoping that he turns out. And that's not his comp. That's his that's his ceiling. ceiling. That that's his ceiling there. And I think a lot of quarterbacks could look good with Derrick Henry behind them. It's it, it's really true. Uh, and that's just not Marcus Mariota. I personally, we've been down that route. I I like Drew as a person. I hope he succeeds. But for the Denver Broncos, I think it's time to not go down this middling quarterback route and this quarterback route where you just never put any investment in them. You have to put a big investment in a quarterback most of the time for it to work out. Kirk Cousins, nice big investment. He is a huge Mm -hmm. investment. I'm not. not, I don't want him. I just think it's a conversation. No, I know. I'm just saying, if you want to invest this offseason. That might be the place to throw your money. And, and also, right now, don't forget, as we've seen with the Titans, most weeks, the Pistons that make that engine go aren't at the quarterback. It's Derrick Henry. And that's why they get Henry. I mean, That's my biggest knock on yeah. Mariota. How yeah. could you not succeed with Derrick Henry behind you? Now, I they know didn't they had know some... what they had with Henry at the time. How is that possible? Like, remember, that's like, why there's a new coach. Yes. Like, if they didn't, they didn't figure out that Derrick Henry was this unicorn until like the end of. Remember the end of the 2018 a, you... season? He had that Thursday night game where he went off, where he just absolutely went yeah. off. It took him years to figure out what they had with Henry, which was just that's asinine. Lit- that's literally like an actual unicorn walking yeah. into your room and you're being like. Hmm. Mariota might still out with yeah. the horses for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Mariota might still be their quarterback if they figured that out sooner. I just I how did the NFL overlook this? He was the best running back in high school. He was the best running back in college. He won the Heisman. He was the best running. He was the best player in college. And then he has every single physical trait you're looking for. And then he falls to the second round. And Wait, then they don't even use him. And then they don't even use I mean, holy smokes. Uh, maybe, the NFL is n- never as smart as you think. Maybe no. for Drew to be Tannehill, Javante needs to be Derrick Henry 2.0. And he's good, but again, Derrick Henry, Der- there's good, very good, and Javante, I think, can be very good, and they're special. Guys, yeah. Derrick Henry is special. That's like- Derrick Henry can start, can start getting sized for his gold jacket. That's how special he is. Javante is, is, can be... An incredible horse. I mean, just you know, he could be Sea Biscuit, but Derrick Henry's a unicorn. Derrick Henry's Secretariat. No, Derrick Henry is a unicorn said. that doesn't even belong on the same track. So as not, those, not as even not even the same creature. Yes, it, I mean, because me, I think like if you say Sea Biscuit, that's great, but Secretariat's the all timer. Well, that's, they're all that's running. Why I'll say Derrick Henry's Secretariat. While they're running around the track, Derrick Henry is flying with his wings. Guys, the Broncos have put in their first permission form for an interview. Guess who it is? Dan Quinn. Oh, no, they don't need a permission form for him. Well, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They do. Anyone that's employed with the team. Hack it. Okay. Uh, Todd Downing. Gerard Mayo is their first first permission slip. So, But he can't interview this week. He can't. He can interview next week. So, guys, teams on first-round buys, you can interview them this week. 
teams not on first round buys, you can interview them next. Is week. there a connection there with George Payton? With the Patriots? With Mayo. Probably that he scouted him at one point. I mean, that's I mean, that's a low they, they level connection. They haven't worked together, but you know, sometimes like you, you, you when you when you're in Peyton's position, you get to know a lot of players when they come out, and probably it's entirely possible that way back Gerard Mayo made an impression on him, and then just kind of you look and, and see you know who, who's young, who's developing. There's nothing this that adds doesn't up mean for him a, to be the, the number one interview, right? This doesn't. Well, I don't think it means he's a front runner. I think no. it's just the first one that they've gotten that they've asked for and gotten permission on. But there's nothing that you can point to and say that makes sense, like. If it was Hackett, you'd say, well, yeah, because they can interview him this week. Mm -hmm. That's why you'd put that in right now. It would be, to me, because of his relative dearth of coaching experience. I mean, I'm sitting here in soccer gear right now. It's the kind of hire you sometimes see in in with soccer teams around the world. Somebody who was a he? recent player. 35. Mm. Yeah. Recent player can connect, really connects well, well with the younger generation because he's close to it. And you're counting on, but you know, was kind of a coach on the field type. That, very, it, it would be a very right, on right. NF. It's a very on NFL like hire if you bring in Gerard Mayo. You I, wouldn't have guessed it like, either if you hadn't no, seen it. No, yeah. uh, we of, see it in the NBA course, too. Of course not. Time. This this is one though. I said it earlier this pod. He's a guy that's really starting to shoot up boards. And in the past 48 hours, he's really gaining traction. So maybe, and this could also just be. The Broncos at 9 a.m. sent out requests for 10 people, and this is the first one that leaked. That could be the case. But it could also be the Broncos saying, we don't want to miss out on this guy. Let's be the first one to put in a permission slip, especially because so many teams move on to their, from their head coach this morning. Right, and maybe you're saying, like, let's take a swing with our first interview and just see if somehow this guy blows us away. If not, then we just move on quickly and we're on to the next. Yep. Um, but maybe there's, you know, things circulating that they're saying, like, he's Brian Flores with charisma or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, I could I could go for Brian Flores with charisma. Yep. What if the Miami Dolphins hire him? How funny would that be? There's like, no way. There's uh, no way. Brian yeah. Flores 2.0. <laughs> but they just didn't like Flores. They liked everything about him except <laughs> right, him. Right, right. I mean, there's something to that because, I mean, now – Chris Greer has been with the Dolphins for a long, long time, but he does kind of trace his lineage back to the Patriots when Belichick was an, was an assistant, when Bill Parcells was the head coach. Do We we don't know when they're going to interview, just that they submitted right, a request. Right. It right. can't be this week. But look, they, they weren't doing anything this week anyway. And like, for, like we've discussed, I don't think – I don't think they – unless they get blown away at some point, I don't think you see the Broncos make a move until they've at least talked with Dan Quinn. Of course. Yeah, I agree. and maybe I agree. he's the last interview. Um, Vic Fangio was the last interview, he remember? Sure was. Sometimes oh. that, you know. And he felt like the favorite all along, so. Yeah. Yep. We'll see We'll see what happens. We'll uh, definitely have more on Gerard Mayo tomorrow. Um, and maybe the, the Broncos have put in more requests, and we can talk a little bit more about those guys. Mm -hmm. um, but for today, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. This was a long show, a great show. Appreciate all the interactions in the comments. Hit us with a thumbs up on your way out, and we will catch you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.